0: Getting ready for some dramatic background noises. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome, one and all, to episode 407 of Hand of Pod. We are recording still all separate, but um, at least where I am, there's a a big thunderstorm over my part of town at the moment. So if you hear any crashing and banging, then that will be why. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week
1: by English Dan. Hello, chaps. If you hear any crashing and banging from my end, it's probably a toddler. Or it could be thunder (laughs) as well, we'll say. Vasanti.
2: Hi, uh, guys. Um, I'm basically pulling a messy here where I I said I would retire, but then return to the to the next episode or
0: game or whatever as if nothing happened. But anyway. Yeah, Santi's going to be working on Thursdays, which obviously have been the day that we've tended to be recording uh, for a good part of the season so far. But, um, well, this week we're on Wednesdays because there are internationals coming up. Um, now, the first thing to do is a little bit of admin because... Last week, you heard me get rather confused when I was reading out Mystic Sam about why there were matches, so many matches on Friday, none at all on Monday. And of course, if you were listening earlier in the season, or indeed, if you pay any attention to Argentine football, other than by listening to Hand of Pod, you've probably already worked out by that point, which I didn't realise until a couple of days later, that there was a midweek round of games last week. That's why we didn't record last week. That means that there have been three rounds of league matches since we last recorded, um, we're going to go over those in a little bit of detail this week, uh, but most of the time it's going to be giving over, obviously, to the triple header of World Cup qualifiers that we've got coming up here in South America. Um, and we will therefore be going in, in a little bit more detail into the league action that's happened on Handapod Extra. And if you want to listen to Handapod Extra, then you can get over to patreon.com slash handapod and sign up to be one of our patrons and get lots of extra content that way from us. Um, Now, where was I? Yes, so there have been three rounds of games since we last recorded. Uh, They've had a fairly sizable effect on the league table. I can't really remember what the league table looked like three rounds ago, but I do remember that last time we recorded we were talking about what a bad time River Plate were having and they're now two points off the lead. Lanus have picked themselves up from a thrashing and are second in the table now. Um, I remember
1: Santi was happy at least. So I'm glad he's not as happy now.
0: Indeed. Um, But the really big news, I think we have to start with this, is that we're not going to go through all of the the results and everything, but what we can say is that after nine matches, top of the table, Tacheres de Córdoba. This is something that hasn't happened in, well, it feels like a very long time. I I remember Tacheres being top of the table. The the week that I started paying attention to Argentine football on Football de Primera when it was shown... The following Thursday night, really late at night on, on Thursday in, in the UK, uh, the Sunday after it was broadcast here. I seem to remember them being top, perhaps not the exact week I started watching, but if not, then within a couple of weeks, either side. Uh, and that would have been the, God, the Klausura 2003 or something like that. So welcome back to the top of the table, Tasheris.
2: I think you might be right. No, I think
0: it was actually close. 2004, which
2: was coincidentally the last campaign they they were actually in the first division before going like ten years, more than ten years in in the lower divisions.
1: Was that when they got relegated and played the Libertadores within about six months of each other?
2: Exactly. So yeah, like, yeah, that was it. That was it because uh, they were doing so well in international competitions, and then well, thanks to the. Brilliant, brilliant uh, promedios. They, they were still relegated.
0: Uh, in that case, it was a bit after I started watching, because uh, I'd already been to Argentina by, by the time the Apertura 2004 kicked off, so I must be misremembering slightly, but it's been a long time anyway, is is my point. Um, they have got there since we recorded, as long as I'm remembering exactly how many matches that there have been since, um, via a 2-1 win away to Argentinos, a 2-0 win at home to Estudiantes. And, oh, right, yeah. So I have slightly miscounted here. Before that win against Argentinos, uh, they had a, where are they, this, this one, a 2-1 win away to Union. Um, so six goals in three rounds. One conceded. Gents, have either of you been paying more attention to them than me?
1: I must admit I haven't been paying much attention. They sort of... Uh... Uh, crept up on us, haven't they? They're a they're a habitual loop, uh, Monday playing team, which means I often <laughs> don't see any of their games because uh, Monday's my my football day, where I play and put, you know put my money where where my mouth is. Uh, but they've been doing very uh, very solidly, you must say. And I'm always happy to see a player who didn't really do anything in racing, um, in Hector Fertoli in this case. Uh, He's been scoring a few goals for him. Uh, Similar case to uh, Argentinos, who have kind of jumped up the league uh, thanks to Nicolás Reniero. Um, And that's, yeah, that's my take on the matter. Fuck's sake, why do it in Raza?
2: I mean, to be honest, I I did watch the the game against the Estudiantes. I love
1: that, to be honest, like this confessional, apologetic um, thing. Yeah. Yeah, guys, it's true. I watched that shit. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i mean i mean you you were trying to just uh suck around the fact that you actually watched at one point <laughs> but anyway uh i i I'm did watch enough
1: the... to say i watched racing imagine <laughs> yeah i get it
2: uh i mean to be honest i i watched the game against against the clientes on monday and uh i mean they they were mostly a game that um it was a game that uh in which Tajeres basically uh took a back seat, I think, uh in comparison to, to to the Andes who were just on the front foot for most for most of the game, but they were very quick to capitalize on you know uh defensive mistakes and uh to, to launch counters. I think that was probably one of the one of the more defining uh qualities, I think, of uh, of Tajeres under Alexander Medina, who I think uh I think at one point or another he should be considered for, for the Uruguay job once, you know, Tavares retires maybe in like 15, 20 years. But, uh, but yeah, um, I they've they made a very uh, solid, uh, they, they assembled a very solid squad uh, with, um, even despite the loss of some key players, especially Piero Incapié, who was just letting him to buy a Leverkusen or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I like to see a team like Tashkent do well because, uh, I mean, after what they have been through, um, in in for for those like ten years in which they were so far away from the from first division to to get us, to establish themselves in there, and now to to be fighting for for the top spots, even if it's only been nine games out of you know twenty five. Um yeah, I have to I have to give credit to them.
0: And we have to give credit as well. I think we may as well say this now and get it out of the way, Santi, uh, to Independiente, who have continued their decent form as as Dan hinted earlier. Um certainly defensively very solid, even though they're not particularly exciting to watch a lot of the time.
1: Well,
2: actually, uh, um, to be quite honest, if you compare Independiente to most teams uh, that Valassioni has managed, this is probably the most exciting team he has ever managed in his whole career. True. Which is not saying a lot. You definitely know that. But um, I I think
1: that's... I have to disagree with that. The Banfield team he had in 2009 with James Rodriguez and Santiago... I know you were just a, a baby, Nam Santiago. Um, no, was, dude, that I, I do remember. The,
2: I do remember that Banfield team, the yeah. uh, Jaime Rodriguez and Santiago Silva, one of the Papelito, Papelito Fernandez. Fernandez. Exactly, well, yeah, yeah. 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 He this? was he was the Uruguay star in 2010, yeah. not Cavani, not Suarez. <laughs> 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 this
1: came out of nowhere. That team as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a time. That was a crazy time I mean, I in Argentine football as well. Like, Everyone could be a champion because there was just 19 games in a in a season, and but well, not a season, a, a tournament. But anyway, um, aside from, from what I said, I'm probably the second most exciting team Falcioni has ever managed. Uh, but mostly, I think that's out of a circumstance because, I mean, we saw in the in the first semester of 2021 that Falcioni tried to, to go extremely um, conservative. But I think in time, he realized that in the meantime, probably. The independent strengths do not lie in a team that can just uh, lock themselves out um, to just uh, park the bus and uh, try to try to hold games to, to a standstill because that's just not one of the strengths. They have just too much firepower, I think, up front, even if uh, you have some incredibly solid performance at the back like uh, Inza Auraldi and especially Sergio Barreto, who has been just amazing uh i think one of the one of the more um commendable things, things that faceuni has, has done over over the of the months and over the games is the, um, the squad management uh especially considering the fact that um it's been torn apart the, the independent squad i mean not just in terms of injuries and suspensions for example uh for the cologne game uh, sorry for for the for the atlético-tucumán game which they lost they were without three of the starting uh, three starting midfielders in uh, lucas rodriguez sorry lucas gonzalez lucas romero and uh, domingo blanco who was uh, sent off but now they he might also lose uh he might also lose sebastian palacios who's about to be sold to Panathinaikos. there's rumors that uh, bustos could also be sold to Fenerbahce as well um if you pair that up with uh, Alan Franco and Nico Fiala, who had also been sold uh, from the starting lineup, he's just uh, losing place left, right, and center, and he's still managing to find gems in in the youth, uh, within the youth players. Which, to be honest, I think he, they need a little more playing time that actually, Falcione actually gives to them. But when he does, you have games like uh, Soñoras against Colonia. You, you know, you these these guys eventually. Come forward and um, take games by the by the scruff on the neck. Even even Belakov, who is not exactly the most uh, goal scoring of of uh, attacking midfielders, but he's just extremely creative and uh, skillful as well. You could even say the same about Palacios, who I mean he can be very frustrating, but um, the runs he makes and. Uh, the the chances he creates uh, will are something I think would definitely miss uh, so I think in time we were seeing a more creative and uh, and a more uh, yeah a more fun Falcini team each time uh because not because it's some, not because of something that uh, he maybe believes in, but more more like something that in a situation in which he has such a creative squad with such uh with these qualities that he's just uh he needs to play to his strengths. And I think that's why in the vein they are in the, in the situation they're right now, second or well, third, basically uh, with just one point behind the, the,
0: the league leaders. Damn, it's difficult to imagine Racing desperately hoping to get through the transfer window without losing any attacking talent at the moment, isn't it? They're not exactly putting themselves in the shop window.
1: No, I mean, as I said, they've, they lost a, a few players already. Moreno um, and, and Fertili went off, um, which hasn't helped particularly. Uh, it, I mean, I've been saying it all year, really. Uh, it's it's very hard to watch. Um, there was one good game actually since uh, since the last time we recorded. They um, a three nil win over Arsenal, but then it's Arsenal. It's you know pretty much taking taking candy from a from an armless baby. Um, can't really dig that up too much um, and since then I mean a dreadful dreadful game against Central Cordoba which finished 0-0 um, and then another dreadful dreadful game albeit you know from the context of who it is and um, where you're playing you know 0-0 nil, nil, nil against Boca and the Bombonera uh, horrible stuff as well I think Racing have one shot on target and probably not much more than that against uh Setra Corva. Uh, Gavi Arias had a fantastic game, pretty much the only bright spot, um, from Racing's point of view. Well, I did find it fairly uh bold faced to say the least that um Boca fans went on Twitter and god knows what else after the game to say, Oh no, Racing. So defensive, so boring. Oh, they just put all your men behind us. Like, fuck's sake, you actually won a Superclasico on penalties after not even having a shot on target. I mean, I don't think you have that much right to, to comment. But in essence, uh, they're not wrong. Um, they're hypocrites, but they're not wrong because, yeah, Brassing are really not offering much. But look at the table. They're fifth somehow. Uh, three points behind the leaders. Um and only one goal conceded in nine games, which I don't care if you know you you put a dump truck in front of the goal and for every game that that's impressive. So I mean, defensively at least they're doing something right, even if that's just having a very very good goalkeeper. I think it shouldn't be too um, controversial, as I've said before to call him the best mm. goalkeeper in Argentina. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, and yeah, um, I would just like to see. Something, something at least. Then can I ask you
2: something? You said that um Arias has only considered one goal
1: all season for, so far. Yeah. Do you remember who scored that goal? It was some independent guy, but I can't remember who it was. They were, they pretty much the same to me.
2: Ah, uh, okay. So, so he played for he plays for independent. Thank you for for that information. I think that's, that's
1: enough. Right. always up
0: Dan mentioned, uh, well, first of all, Dan mentioned that uh, Arsenal is like taking candy from a baby. So this, this might be the only no, no. chance I ever get to point this out. But uh, at the moment, we're recording with Arsenal, bottom of the Argentine top flight, and Arsenal, bottom of the English top flight. Um, that's true. It has to be the first time wow. in Pod history that that's happened. And it might very well be the last time. Uh, at least in the life of the podcast that it happens. so I thought I'd better point it out I mean considering, against, considering how Arsenal us.
2: are doing in the Premier League don't be too surprised to have another week like no, that well true
0: know. yeah but they're playing I think they're playing uh, Norwich this well no not not this weekend obviously but uh, whenever the next round of club matches is aren't, aren't they So they might have a chance there given that Norwich are level on points and goal difference and only ahead of them on goals scored um <laughs> We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, uh, Dan also mentioned Boca. That was the other thing that I was trying to um, segue into. Boca, last time we talked, I think we were still talking about how hopeless they were looking and how they were still waiting for their first victory of the season. They have managed their first victory of the season since we last recorded. In fact, they've gone three games unbeaten uh, in the last three matches. They've won two and then drawn just that very dull nil-nil, which Dan mentioned against Racing. Uh, They... Beat Patronato in an almost equally dull match, actually. Uh, 1-0 in the Bombonera a couple of weeks ago in the seventh round of matches. The late goal from uh, Vasquez to win that one. And then they got a 3-1 win over Platense with Norberto Briasco uh, scoring, I believe, his first goal since arriving uh, at Boca from Huracan. We were slagging him off earlier in the season. I also thought that I'd uh, report that my... Girlfriend's dad, who is a Boca fan, has started calling him Norberto Fiasco, um, which gives right. you an idea of how it, it, the kind of esteem in which he's held by
1: Boca Juniors fans.
0: Um, yeah, that's,
2: probably brilliant, huh? it's quite, yeah, that's a, brilliant.
1: There's quite a lot of opportunities there. Norberto Medalasco, Norberto Fiasco. I mean, it's, like, it's a good insult
0: name in Spanish. Norberto Quiasco. Norberto Quiasco. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that pushes Boca up to the heady heights of 14th in the table um they're on 11 points so that's eight behind the leaders Tacheres uh whereabouts are San Lorenzo they're in 16th and what have they done since we last rec- I'm pretty much just sort of looking at some of these results for the first time because I
1: they got a win some matches I saw and
0: some I didn't since we recorded last, they have lost one nil at home to Argentinos through a very early goal from Nicolas Reñero, which Dan mentioned in passing earlier. Uh, lost two nil away to Estudiantes through a very early goal from Nicolas Pasquini and a very late goal from uh, Matias Pe- is Matias, isn't it Pellegrino? Um, and they lost the Romeros
1: a, as well. It's a
2: Pellegrini.
0: Pellegrini, sorry, thank you. Yes, uh, and they have beaten Patronato three 0 as Dan just mentioned, and they've lost the Romero's. Dan, what does this mean?
1: They have, yes. Um, they basically realised that uh, they couldn't pay them; they owed both. Uh, I can't. I think yeah, both of the twins were owed um, mm. six months or more salary, um, and they just decided yeah to, um, to give them a free transfer to to get them off their back, basically. Um, plus they weren't very happy because basically the, the team was playing shit. Um, and they well, did so, it in a very Machiavellian form as well because, do you remember um, I think it was last year where there was this whole uh, hoo-ha about Ángela Romero who'd um, supposedly uh, injured a, a youth team kid with with an overzealous training tackle? Yes.
0: Remember? Uh, yeah, on, yeah,
1: the that, day, that... on the day where they announced that they were letting these two brilliant you know, full internationals go for free. They also decided to to release the to leak the video where exactly. he yeah. almost decapitates the kid.
0: No such thing as a coincidence, is there?
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I don't know if you remember, but on the day then that San Lorenzo San Lorenzo um, released the Romero's, they also retweeted the original tweet when they arrived. I don't know if you saw if you saw that too.
1: No, um, I can't say I did.
2: That was extremely bizarre. I mean the the whole handling of the situation and now uh De Santo and uh and Nortiosa firing shots at them without mentioning them. Literally
1: uh, I don't know. <laughs> sorry I mean you're saying literally because this is Argentine football. We we should we need to be careful with metaphors like that, Santi. People can get confused. I mean, yeah, I mean they're, they're in
0: Paraguay, in they're and, in Paraguay
2: and they and they're in Paraguay now because they are, you know, uh, part of the of the qualifier squad. And uh, mm-hmm. San Lorenzo are, um, in Argentina, so that would that would have taken some extreme commitment to play for San Lorenzo. And then go and fire shots at them. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a figure of speech and they did
0: so in in you know speech form. Okay. So if you're Hailing in charge of
1: Lee with his um, <laughs>
0: if you're in charge of transfers at a fairly middling team and you need a talented playmaker, which would also be akin to throwing a hand grenade into the middle of your dressing room harmony, there are two of them available on a free transfer. So fill your boots. So so the, the,
2: they are end up at Polka one, one day. They'll definitely end up at Boca. They're tailor made for Boca.
1: Both of them together. To Racing. Do you know how good they'd be for Racing? I'd... I mean, Literally they would be good. And
2: and Racing's dressing room is also like quite uh, quite the ticking bomb as well. So, yeah, I mean, they I reckon, could fit could it's Racing. It's
1: quite sedate compared to how shit the team is. Like, I thought that was yeah, well but uh, I mean, you have to take into it. account
2: the fact that Nacho Piatti plays for Racing.
1: Ah, uh, this is true. Uh, ah, we can get him. We can kick him out front of another <laughs> club to make room for the other. No problem. I mean, uh, the other
0: very happy. The other one of the big five to have played. Well, the other one of the big five. Of course, we've mentioned all the other four already. Um, and how they've got on. uh river, who have recorded, I think, the same record as Boca: two wins and one draw since we last recorded. Uh, they drew one-one with Gymnasia in a match which featured two very early goals and looked like it was going to be fantastic. I think it was one-one after seven minutes. Um, and then sort of petered out quite a lot. Then they got a 2-0 win at home to Aldo Sibi. Um, and then they beat Sarmiento 2-1 away thanks to a last-minute winner from Enzo Perez, who I think also scored against Aldo Sibi. So that's two goals in two matches for him. Yeah, and you have to take into
2: account that uh, in the second game against Sarmiento Perez was part of a three-man backline uh, alongside uh, Felipe Peña uh, a kid and Bruno Zuccolini who is not a, not a defender just as Enzo Perez was not a defender as well so that's some performance from Enzo Perez and some performance I think for River in general who were just incredibly so short of players not just uh, through international calls but also injury and they came through it in what was a really difficult game so fair play to them
0: yeah and they'll be short of players due to international call-ups for the next match as well, because this is a fantastic chance to segue into the international break, which as not I've it's just that. hinted is not a break not uh, here. I've told you already, all of you several times that uh, this season or this championship, the Argentine league is not stopping for the FIFA dates because we've got to fit so many matches in momentary pause as the cat decides to walk between me and the microphone. Um, so there is going to be, Uh, Liga Profesional action this weekend as well as the World Cup qualifiers but this is where we shall segue into talking about the World Cup qualifiers. Um, The obvious place to start I guess is the devastating news that the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, I think the Portuguese top flight as well and possibly one or two others that I haven't heard of. Uh, or have not heard about, I should say, uh, have released statements announcing that they're not going to be releasing players to play in certain countries in spite of the fact that it's a FIFA date and they have to. Uh, and at least in the case of the Argentine stars in the Premier League, the four who were called up, uh, that has fairly affected things at all because they've all travelled and they're currently in Caracas uh, preparing for the qualifier against Venezuela on Thursday evening. Um the England based call ups, if I remember rightly, are Emiliano Martinez, Emiliano Buendia, both from Aston Villa, Cristian Romero, and another one from Tottenham whose name I've forgotten. Lucelso
1: slash How Can you, you possibly yeah. forgo- forget Lucelso?
0: Indeed, yeah. No, I, I, I managed to, though, uh, partly because I was doing it off the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, they, they've all travelled. There seems to be a little bit of confusion, largely based from on Aston Villa trying to strong-arm things, on whether they're going to play all three matches or not. I think we might have had a listener's question about it, actually. Um, have, yes. We'll find out, basically. I mean, the AFA are insisting that they did not make any such agreement with Aston Villa, but Villa claimed when they announced that that the two Emilianos were going to be travelling, that they'd agreed with the AFA that they the two were going to play the first two matches, and then not play the third match, which is at home to Bolivia. So, in fairness, if there is one match that Argentina can probably afford to drop players for, it's that one. Um, yeah, but you have to we'll you have have to, to take a
2: you have to take something into account, which is that uh, the Bolivia game will be the first game since March of last year in Argentina where there um, were some legal fans will attend. So, this is the first time uh, that. Uh, the Argentine people will be able to see La Caloneta in an Argentine pitch for a long, long, long time. So I think I the think last the
1: game would have been end of 2019, home. right?
2: Yeah, 2019 probably, maybe before the Copa America because the friendlies are barely ever played in Argentina. Were
0: well, there are no fans so, allowed at the start of the 2020 at the end of the Copa Maradona?
1: No. Um, because, oh, I was uh, thinking just international football, football but yes, um, at the start. Ah,
2: March, yeah. Twenty twenty, the there
1: were there were fans. At, yeah. you, you
2: mean the end of uh, you mean the end of uh, the, the the Superliga? Maybe the final match week of the Superliga. That was the last time, because really? the, the the first uh, game of the Copa Superliga.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry, um, there did. were no yeah, fans.
2: Pleasure. There were no fans, and the players played anyway, and there was this huge out, um, outcry because of that. So, yeah, I mean, it's the first game with official non-Ashigado fans in Argentina since then. And uh, it will be a game that will be a homecoming for the Copa America champions in front of 17,000 people. So, I think they will not want to miss that one.
0: Now, I've just realized as you two were talking uh, that the Promiedos website, which is what I'm checking the fixtures on, has actually still got them wrong because it's only got this as a double header, not a triple header uh so does anyone before i go any further and embarrass myself actually i'm going to start i'm going to load it on myself on my phone so i can see that the matches in order are away to venezuela and then there's another one they've dropped uh, in the middle isn't there
1: away brazil to brazil away on yeah. of
0: course away to brazil how on are earth was i forgetting that and then at home to bolivia um Correct. so those are argentina's upcoming fixtures and the dates for them are well the venezuela one's tomorrow and the brazil one's on sunday as we've just mentioned
1: no, it's uh, Sunday Thursday, I believe,
0: and then it so it 's a week tomorrow is the second one and then the um the story that sort of caused this confusion with with the England based players at least is that they're going the four of them are going to travel to some island in the Adriatic just in in Croatia to train <laughs> there for ten days so that they can train and then travel to England and join straight up with their clubs rather than having to go to England and sit around in the hotel room and lose match fitness for ten days um which all, all that I've read, at least from the Argentine media, is that they're going to do that when they return to Europe without any actual word on when that return to Europe will be, whether it's going to be after the Brazil match or after the Bolivia match. Um, but yeah, if either of you two know any different, do tell. Yeah,
2: uh, I think the, this, there's also something important that we need to clarify, which is that uh, in England, there is something resembling a valid. A valid argument, I think, uh, in regards to not letting players,
0: um, not letting players go for for the no, there is
2: for the qualifiers. Nah, well, mean, sorry, is.
0: sorry. I mean, I, I'm intrigued to hear what you're going to say, Santy But I'm just, I just uh, like to record. That's my why I said anger something at this.
2: resembling, which is that uh, in only in England you have um, the ten countries that you know are part of uh, the Commonwealth. Uh, in the in the red list, I think for uh, as countries which are you know in a difficult situation in terms of COVID, which means that if anyone from those countries uh, arrives at England they have to well quarantine for ten days. The thing is that that does not happen in Spain and Italy and Portugal. Which uh, I mean, they cannot rely on you know COVID related uh, COVID related uh, ruling. To, to just not allow players to travel, which is why um, the, um, there was an appeal at the CAS which uh, went against La Liga and now everyone from La Liga can travel to, to play for the qualifiers for any country, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the way that I put it to, to someone when I was having this conversation a few days ago was imagine if England were playing a World Cup qualifier in the next few days against a team who were well, against a country who were on the UK government's red list. And that country's two or three best players happened to play in the Premier League. It, it, it's just, you know, aside from the fact that when you sign up to play in FIFA's tournaments, you're signing up to play by FIFA's rules. And FIFA say that you have to release players for the dates that they stipulate. Um, it's it's completely not on. They, F- FIFA should have been sending around emails threatening to kick those countries out of the World Cup. I'm not necessarily saying go through with it. Because I yeah, suspect they, they would really have broke back very quickly if that had happened, um, really, but it should have been threatened.
1: Apart from that, the red list is absolute bullshit. I mean, mm. you've got countries. I mean, I'm not going to talk about Argentina or the, 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 the UK at the moment.
0: The UK at the moment has got five times the number of new cases that, that Argentina's recording.
1: Yeah. So how and is Uruguay it? Has eight, Uruguay has eighty cases a day.
0: Yeah. And yet these players who are travelling between sporting bubbles and aren't going to actually yeah. effectively be in the country really at all anyway are supposedly yeah. going to be... Oh, I no, mean, they're going I mean, the to bring it
1: back
0: to... The that's United thing States with, uh, says with has
1: 130,000 cases a day and they're on the amber list. I and mean, mm. it doesn't make any sense. 160,000 yesterday. Explain that to me. I mean, you can only explain it in terms of global south. Go fuck yourself. Exactly. I way. mean,
2: not, not just global south. I think it's just a power move from the top links in the world just to just no, say... No, but apart from you know, talking what's... about the government...
1: Having the whole of South ah, America yeah. on the red list when we were really bad. I mean, you'd say that, you know, you don't want to send players for the Copa America in June or July. I really mean, back, back when they I, back when
2: they they uh, rescheduled the qualifiers in May in March, I think uh, there was there was some bad enough, reasoning yes, behind enough. that, yeah. and which is and with, that's why we're having triple headers right now. I mean, that was something everyone agreed on. When yes, it happened. Absolutely. So, why are they outraged and trying to change everything all of a sudden right now when you agreed to that in the first place? Yeah.
1: No, completely ridiculous. Everyone in England really just screwed the poochie. Obviously, yeah, at very, the very, least, very bad luck. At the very s- least,
2: you can see players like, you know, Tyron Minks actually supporting uh, the Emilianos
1: in their troubles. I must say, though, I'm shocked to see, you know, historic, powerful. Countries like Brazil, Uruguay just roll over. I mean, Brazil lost yeah. half of pretty much their entire team. Nine players who are almost all first first I think they were too quick incredible. to call replacements. If if they yeah. didn't
2: if they hadn't done so, they would have been in a more powerful position, but they were so quick to act. Then suddenly when, when the Argentines rebelled. Against the against the leagues, uh, now they are in a much weaker position. Which because I mean, it's
1: such a victory for Argentina that um, they just put themselves absolutely up, you know, on the absolutely. pinnacle. And, and Emi Martinez, if he needed anything else to you know boost this legend of being a sex addicted, <laughs> bad mouthing bad motherfucker, like he's just taking it to the next level now by, <laughs> by staring down Villa in the Premier League. I mean, what what more can this guy do? I mean, even when you consider
2: match. that. Uh some some countries are losing like key key players not just brazil i mean you have cavani in in oh, uruguay yeah. now rondon in
1: venezuela, venezuela now he's just yeah. joined uh
2: he's just joined abiton um uh, yeah
1: chile with uh britain of course exactly
2: but they but they have a, a replacement uh english speaker in Robert robinson this is true
1: i have not heard about this
2: they have an american now who plays for into yes. miami
0: excellent um yeah, no, as, as as you both said, I, I was going to point out, in fact, that it, it sort of, to an extent, it, it distorts the uh, what what these matches might very well end up looking like because Argentina, as you say, are going to be far stronger than than the other sides. And there's, I've seen a little bit of laughing as well from Argentine fans, obviously, especially at Brazil's expense, that Brazil's players don't care enough for their shirt to kick up a fuss, whereas Argentina's are desperate to play for Argentina, whatever the cost. Um, but just, I mean, can you imagine being... Aston Villa or whoever's in charge of telling Aston Villa's players, at least that they aren't going to be allowed to be called up and telling Emiliano Buendia after the few years he's had that, yeah, okay, you've just earned your first call up to to, to the Argentine national team. You, you could be training alongside, you know, stars like Lionel Messi and Angel Di Maria, well, maybe not quite so good, but anyway, um, you know, but no, actually, you're staying here with us. No, Just sure. imagine trying to do that and imagine his reaction right after signing for them. Just, I mean, ridiculous anyway. I mean, I
2: think uh, the the people I also have to give credit to, which is not something I tend to do, is uh, Gary Medel and Arturo Vidal, who were the first ones to actually announce that they would travel anyway, despite what the, the leagues, in their case the Serie A, said I I, mean, I think so. that's just that's just a Third case of those two
0: on. being so conflicting that it's you know so so such conflictive personalities that it's a bit like the stop plot being right <laughs> once or twice a day, isn't <laughs> it? Like, at, at some point at some point they're gonna be on the right side of an argument. They've been doing it for <laughs> 20 years now.
1: Just <laughs> long one long continuous argument, yeah. Mm. And this time it happens to happens to line up. Anyway, I think
0: given the time that we've got left on this call, that it's time to take a half time break um and refill our glasses so we shall go away now and when we come back we will look at more of the sort of footballing side of things for the upcoming qualifiers and we'll answer some listeners questions so don't go away Welcome back. So then, as I said, we're going to do a proper football preview rather than just a geopolitical rant. Now, Uh, the upcoming World Cup qualifiers tomorrow, or by the time this goes online, it will be today. I don't know. I'm trying to get going to try to get this online later tonight, but it'll be the early hours of Thursday. Um, uh, Bolivia v. Colombia, Ecuador v. Paraguay, Venezuela versus South American champions, Argentina, Chile versus Brazil and Peru versus Uruguay. Then on Sunday we've got Brazil versus South American champions Argentina, Ecuador v Chile, Paraguay v Colombia, Uruguay v Bolivia, Peru v Venezuela, and then as Dan has already told us, a week on Thursday uh, we've got Uruguay v Ecuador, Paraguay v Venezuela, Colombia versus Chile, South American champions Argentina versus Bolivia, and Brazil versus Peru to close things out. Um, other than Argentina, gents, are any of the other countries sort of relatively unaffected or relatively positively affected by all the fallout from these shenanigans we've just been talking about? Are there any others who've got a decent number of their key members of the squad still present?
1: I mean, it comes down basically to who has more players in England. Um, I know we mentioned just before the break that Uruguay will be without Cavani, which is obviously... A big blow for them and they're also without Luis Suarez, who is out through injury. Uh, Venezuela, as we mentioned, are, are going to be without Rondon because he moved to Everton just in time to come under this ridiculous uh, Premier League rule. Uh, apart from that, I mean, Ecuador, Ecuador yeah. You without Moise Caicedo.
2: No, um, Caicedo has just moved on loan uh, to Belgium, I think, so he oh, might no. be able to join.
1: That'll be that interesting one to watch. I must say I haven't racked over the um all of the respective squad lists um, in these days, but yeah, I can imagine. Colum, I do know, James Rodriguez is, is he there?
2: No, he's not been called up. Uh, but then that's I mean, uh, with with everything, testing,
1: uh, with, every,
2: with all the all the stuff he's been saying on his uh, live streams, I think he may not ever be called to to Colombia <laughs> again. I yeah. think. What's um, he been saying
0: on his live stream, Santi?
2: No, he has been, you know, uh being really apathetic towards um uh Something his basically. uh towards Aberton and uh, just uh, firing at uh Reynolds Rueda once again figure of speech, but yeah, firing uh taking aim at Rueda. Um saying that he was much fit uh, to to play in the Copa American. He didn't call him for reasons he just doesn't know. He also said that in composition with another former Colombian international in Juan Camilo Zuniga. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think as long as Reynaldo Rueda is the Colombia manager, I think he will be out of the national team for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. From Uruguay's point of view, I have to say that, well, Obviously, I'm a big fan of Edinson Cavani these days. Um, his absence and Luis Suarez's absence presumably mean that uh, young Facundo Torres is going to be becoming a little bit more prominent in the team. And I am well up for seeing more of him because he was fantastic fun coming off the bench in the Copa America. Uh, it is a bit of a shame that he's not going to be feeding a first choice centre forward, given that neither Cavani nor Suarez are, are going to be there with him. Um, but that, that should make it interesting to watch anyway, uh, from their point of view. Uh,
1: a you reminder on, uh, Uruguay, from Uruguay's point of view, keep an eye on Brian Rodriguez. Who oh, yes. He might, might well be a starter in those two's absence. And he scored an absolutely brilliant goal in, uh, in the El Trafico Derby in MLS the other day uh, for Los Angeles. He is in Los Angeles Football Club, yes.
2: Yeah, LAFC. Yeah, he, he scored a yeah, there was he was dancing around the, the defence, it was incredible.
0: Um, just a reminder of the standings then at the moment. Brazil are uh, first in the group with 18 points from six matches, which if you find maths a bit difficult, Is maximum points. Argentina are second. Possibly
1: why sorry, Sam. Possibly why they weren't overly fussed about losing those nine players, because they could probably True, lose yeah. all nine games and it wouldn't have an, a horrible effect on their uh on their standing
0: no they're actually even just looking at the qualification spots they are 10 points ahead of fifth place colombia um so they could lose all three of this particular windows matches and the teams below them win i mean obviously it's not possible for the teams below them to all win all their games because they're playing against each other but you know what i mean um they still wouldn't be able to be you know, they'd still finish in an automatic qualification spot. Um, so they're top on 18 points after six games. Argentina have won three and drawn three and have 12 points. Ecuador have won three and lost three and have nine points. Uruguay and Colombia both won two, drawn two, lost two. are on eight points each. Uruguay and fourth, Colombia and fifth in goal difference. Uh, Paraguay have seven points. Chile, six. Bolivia, five. Mm-hmm. Venezuela and Copa America semi-finalists Peru Four points each, Peru bottom of the standings on goal difference. Uh, other than Argentina, of course, who we're going to be paying attention to, you would really expect Peru to be scrambling for all they've got to to try and improve on this start that they've made. But, you know, even then, looking at it and saying they're on four points, that's still only four points behind an automatic qualification spot.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very, uh, very tight, I think, uh, for the third and fourth uh, qualifications, but you think that Argentina and Brazil should have their places sign up um, in first and second, but below them definitely I think uh, aside from possibly just just Bolivia I think all of the all of the uh, the other nine nations have a decent um, a decent chance of uh, making the World Cup. It's going to be very, very interesting to watch. especially Martin.
0: if you, you give Venezuela a decent chance, Dan. It, it could
1: be historic. It would be very historic, but I mean, they did their best in the Copa America, considering they lost their entire squad. Uh, yeah, and there's some decent players there. Um, I yeah, Dan, lot,
2: Dan, you have to. You also have to take into account the fact that Venezuela have a, a new manager because Josep. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, because uh, saying, uh, Diego Gonzalez, to just pick the most generic name I can know. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think, I think, I think it m- must be something like Diego Gonzalez. That's because Jose uh, um, Sato was not being paid his uh, wages indeed. for months. So that's why he resigned.
1: Leonardo Gonzalez. There you go. Oh,
2: there you go.
0: You got the surname, right? Yeah. 50 50 I mean, yes, really, almost, isn't it? Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. It it should be an interesting round of games. I, I should say that Peru, although they've only played with six matches in and they're bottom, they have already played Brazil and Argentina um, in those six matches. So it, it's not been the easiest, the, the kindest, and also Ecuador, of course, who were you know third behind those two, um, they've they've played them already. Um, from Argentina, Dan, I saw a tweet from you just uh, as I was tweeting out that we were about to record earlier. And with a projected starting eleven, and it didn't include uh, Romero in
1: centre back. What's going on there? No, I think he, um, Just check. I think he's not completely fit because he hasn't played for Tottenham yet, right? Uh-huh. He's
2: also suspended for a uh, accumulation of your cards.
1: I suspended. Yes. Uh, that it's makes just, sense. Um, but just just uh, expand on this idea because I think uh, Venezuela is going to be an interesting match. Of course, it's not easiest of places to travel to in Venezuela, I think in the last qualification campaign, I think um, they either beat Argentina or they got a very good, a very decent result. Um So we shouldn't take that game for granted at all. But just looking forward to uh the Brazil game on Sunday, which I think is going to be a cracker. Um Just to take, you know, to throw something out there. Nicolás Sotomendi marking Hulk in a... Argentina Brazil World Cup qualifier in 2021. <laughs> Did any of us imagine in our most harrowing nightmares that something like this could happen? Oh, this is fantastic.
2: I mean, I, I think there are worse. I mean, I mean there. I think there are Brazilian forwards who would have. A, I mean, Nicolas Otamendi would have a worse time against. It, especially, I think uh, when Brazil play with a withdrawn forward. The, that generally means that Mendy has an easier job, which I think was proven in the Copa America final. But also, uh, imagine if they play Gabigol up front instead of Hulk.
1: I think That'll it's going to be both of them, to be honest. It's tough of absolute
2: um, bloody it's nightmares.
1: Be, it's going to be Hulk playing this kind of withdrawn, false nine ish, uh, holding forward, and then they'll have uh, Gabigol and Neymar either side of them. It's between him and Mateos Cunha. Well, studying. maybe.
2: Well, yeah. I was. I was just about to say Gabriel Jesus, but he's not there, is he?
1: No. I would be wary of Hulk because we saw against uh, against River, he was fantastic, especially in the second leg. God, he really ran, uh, ran him ran in circles. Um, yeah, actually, actually,
2: one one thing that he, uh, I mean, I know Hulk wasn't called for the for the qualifiers before, you know, the whole Premier League thing happened, but still, he would have warranted something similar to a call.
1: He was Based on the long on list, apparently. He was on the long list to make it, um, and obviously he didn't quite make it because there are a lot of very good Brazilians ahead of him. But since most of them play in the Premier League, he has a chance. It's going to be a going to be an interesting one. I mean, i would be interesting to know what what you guys think. Now, I mean, could we dare to say that, given what happened at the Copa America and given what's happened with the squad selections, like Argentina? Would even be favourites for this game, or is that just too um, too much tempting fate? I mean, you wouldn't be wrong. We
2: are favourites because of what happened, because of uh, the the whole uh, Brazil getting the squad decimated by uh, Boris Johnson stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, a full strength Argentina, especially considering the fact that for the Brazil game you will have Paredes and Romero back. Um, provided we don't have any more suspended players for that game. I think that would definitely make Argentina contenders for the game.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree. Also, I I kind of tried to make this point on our WhatsApp group a a month or so ago, and uh, I think I got misunderstood slightly. I don't mean that the Argentines uh, among us just won't care what the result is at all. But in a way, for Argentina, it feels a little bit like a free hit given that the really meaningful Argentina-Brazil match of certainly the year and, you know, maybe possibly the decade, if they don't meet in another final again, um, has been won by Argentina already. And so this one coming so soon afterwards, it feels like, hey, Argentina might just go into it with that little bit of a psychological advantage. But also if they don't win, well, at least they won the final, you know, at least they won the more meaningful one.
1: No, oh, absolutely. and And if they get... Good results against, uh, against Venezuela and against Bolivia, which they probably should. Um, you'd excuse uh, a not-so-good result against Brazil, but, I mean, the chance to beat Brazil twice in a row in two months in Brazil, I mean, that's, that's got to be tempting. And I might be misremembering this, but did the
0: Copa America final put Argentina back level on the all-time head-to-head, or did it put them back to one ahead of Brazil? I think it drew them level didn't it. But it's certainly a very very close head to head. Uh whichever way you look at it, it, it there's there's either one match in it or they're both dead level at the moment. Um which considering the you know considering the footballing history of the two countries you you think well that sounds about right but then when you look at the demographics the, the population um advantage that Brazil have it's it's quite something. Um there are of course two other games taking place but are we just uh, you've already mentioned down that that Venezuela can be a tricky place to go especially the conditions the humidity um and the fact that they do have a a much better I think I'm right in saying there's a much better home record than away record I'm just trying to have a quick look at their results so far they've beaten Chile at home they drew with Uruguay at home they only lost one nil away to Brazil that was back in November 2020 um They lost 1-0 at home to Paraguay in the second round of matches and got thrashed by Colombia 3-0 away um, in the opening round. So since that Paraguay game, they've got a couple of of pretty decent results in Caracas. Um, The Bolivia match is, as I kind of said earlier, if there's one match that Argentina could afford to send their Premier League stars back home early for, then it's going to be at home to Bolivia, isn't it? Would you be happy with Franco Armani in goal ahead of Emiliano Martinez against the might of the Bolivian attack? Uh, um,
1: I'll rather see Musso get a chance, but
0: yeah. yeah. Some of it obviously is also going to come down to whether Marcelo Martinez is back in the Bolivia team or not, isn't it? I have to admit that I am not uh, that clued into what's going on with Bolivia at the moment. Oh.
1: Uh. I can Let find me out. quickly. I think he is. I mean he always is. So in which
0: case you probably ideally want Martinez
1: between the he sticks. <laughs> yes. He is in the squad. Because that mean, makes Bolivia you also, a much more. You also, dangerous have to take into account, you also have
2: to take into account that uh, not long ago Armani got beat to a header by El Pula Rodriguez, which was you know pretty shocking to be honest. He was really poorly positioned.
0: Indeed, yeah. I'm, um, I, I should clarify that I'm assuming that Scaloni still has Armani as his second choice rather than suggesting that Armani would be my second choice if I were managing the Argentine national team myself, uh, for the avoidance of any doubt. Um, shall we move on to listeners' questions, gents? Yeah, why not. Okay then. First up, we have, I think we have one, did we have one a couple of days ago? No. No, I'm not. Uh, we haven't. Uh, so then, first up, we have David Novoshevsky, who says, how are Argentine fans of Aston Villa handling the club versus country tension as the Emilianos have made their way to the World Cup qualifiers? Um, Dan, you've already answered this one on Twitter, but uh, would you like to answer it on the podcast as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if we find one, uh, we'll let you know, I guess. Um, it's... it's uh it must be a fairly limited demographic or although yeah. i'm sure there must be an, a fan account of Aston Villa Argentina because there is one for pretty much every club in the entire world even um,
0: even the um you know the, the people who sort of support the team that their favorite player from their argentine club is now playing for over in europe there won't be that many of that for these two because they both left Argentina at such a young age. So it's not as if Banfield fans are all following Emiliano Martinez, uh, you know, <laughs> on on his loan-filled odyssey for the ten years he was supposedly an Arsenal player, and then and now moving to Villa.
1: No, you wouldn't think so. Uh, I have found a Twitter page for Aston Villa Arg. Um, that doesn't. That just means Argentina, not that he's very, uh, you know, pessimistic. <laughs> Very anxious about what's happened here, yeah. Uh, but apparently Twitter's not loading for me, so I will try and get him up and we can use that to uh, sum up, I think, fairly safely the thoughts of every Argent, uh, Aston Villa fan in Argentina. Should Indeed. It load,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, Perfect Tommy, who's now rechristened himself Fernet Footballer on uh, Twitter, says, what do you make of the Diego Flores hire at Godoy Cruz? I mean, I uh... personally don't make anything of it because Tommy is <laughs> telling me about it now. But I'm going to let uh, YouTube to answer this one. In,
1: you I know who? You know that. who Diego Flores is? Uh, Sam. He was Bielsa's old uh, translator. Yeah, also going to say, the manager name manager was about, right. and
0: I can't think why. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, I think this is the kind of you know uh, the kind of uh, of manager appointments that. Tend to go very, very, very wrong. We've already seen what happened with uh, El Mono Burgos. and I think uh, another of uh, of uh, former assistant managers. I think he he ended up at something like Huddersfield or something. I think it was Carlos Coroveran, right? Something like that, and he wasn't exactly success there. So I, I mean, if I if we were led by you know first managerial jobs in. Former assistant managers of uh, very successful and storied managers, as well. I think it may end pretty badly, but not in relegation because that's because that cannot happen, that literally cannot happen. But uh, yeah, pretty badly, I think.
0: Uh, Soccer Football Forum says, After Scaloni's comments today, are the four England based players going to stay for all three games? Or do you think they'll bow to pressure from their clubs and return after two matches? Maybe they'll suddenly pick up an injury. Um, I have to admit, I've not heard what Scaloni has said today, but I would basically refer you to what we said a few minutes ago. We're going to have to wait and find out. Um, Because at the moment, it doesn't seem very clear. The AFA are saying one thing. I don't know whether Spurs have said anything, but Villa certainly are saying something that's not what the AFA are saying. Uh, And whichever happens, it seems certain that uh, these guys are going to be Quarantining in inverted commas in, in Croatia prior to flying back to, to England. Um, but
1: I think Scaloni said right? today that if they're here, they're gonna they can they can play all three games so it's not like they're gonna you know invent any funny business. Like yeah, the, the answer are gonna be them. ushering them out the door. <laughs> no, certainly not. Um, just to update, I managed to get through to Aston Villa Argentina, uh, but they haven't. Sent a single tweet since the 28th of August, so we will have to, <laughs> without their um, their opinion on the matter. I mean,
2: that's that sounds a little bit optimistic. I, I know I accounts uh, at least that uh, sound like it's a fan fans of English clubs in Argentina that have, that have been inactive for a much much longer period of time. So maybe we might get an answer before the end of this of this podcast from them.
1: Perhaps. The only person I can think of, there, Tom Robinson, right? Who often chimes in, but he's been very quiet on the matter.
2: Well, maybe, maybe you can not ask him. He's an
1: Argentine, but he follows Argentine football, and he's uh, and he's a Villa fan. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, I think
2: most. Uh, well, I know someone who is not an Argentine, but is a South American, who is uh, Luis Miguel Echigaray, who is uh, an Aston Villa fan, and he uh, he wrote a, a thread about why playing for the national team is so important for South Americans, so uh, I think uh, the only the only Villa fans who are actually pissed at it is a small section of, you know, local fans.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure small sections about Raya as well. I mean, I don't know very many Villa fans. In fact, I know one or two Villa fans, and I haven't spoken to either of them for a, a while, but uh, and barely ever talked to them about football. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody can understand why Footballers want to represent their countries, I think, can't they? Um, yeah. Liam Kelly says, nine rounds in, which teams or players have stood out
1: or surprised you? Uh, we mentioned Tacheres earlier. Um, I think for players, you've got to give a big round of applause to Pepe Sand, who continues to just score goals. Uh, yeah, and the two,
0: two more in Lanús' most recent right. match, a 3-2 two, two win over Aldo CB.
1: Indeed, Las nice. as well, I think are, meant, are worth mentioning. I mean, they they didn't have a great time of it the last two games, um, which were two tough games against uh, River and and Lanús. But before that, they were they were right up there in the um, in the fight for the top three or four spaces. Um, they're playing some very nice football. Uh, it seems like Gago's master plans kind of coming together a little bit, um, and that's been fueled by the goals of Martin Calderucho who's kind of come back from the dead as a as a top primera scorer. So yeah, i give a, a mention to Aldo Civi as well, despite their, you know, having a couple of defeats to puncture their, their recent run of good form.
0: They've got Huracan away and then Godoy Cruz at home in their next two matches. So that could be a decent chance for them to get back on the horse. Yeah, they're Is not going right? to have a better chance than that.
2: Yeah, pretty um, much Uh Maybe I think uh my my general feeling about all is that Gacho, uh, Gago definitely has some good intentions with the team, but just the personnel at his disposal is just so limited.
1: In oh, it's very limited. Very yeah, good.
2: it's so limited in in technical skill that uh you know he will always have a a hard time of on you know building a team that plays the way he wants to play. Maybe he he needs to move to a team that suits him better just like Krepoli who was uh, so you know he he's, uh, his Panfield stint was so so bad because there was basically a Falcione side and then he ended up at defence and he left with a trophy under his arm. so maybe that's the kind of move Gago needs
1: like to Boca perhaps in the near.
2: year Boca, are you sure about that I mean am uh, not
1: convinced I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head dude um do any better at that club I mean at least he's fresh he's got some new ideas and I know you could see him kind of carrying on whatever work Batali is doing as kind of as the interim bringing in the new players kind of playing a little bit the thing is uh, I'm not
2: quite sure that uh, Batali is actually an interim manager because of the way they they introduced him and uh, the fact that he was you know presented on on social networks and he had a press conference as if he was like a long term
1: I, mean, I don't know no, if they've basically the... given him a contract to the end of the year right so it's kind of yeah but that's, interim I mean or if he was
2: if he was an interim he would have just managed for the next three to four games before they they actually negotiate on someone i think they the intention is to finish the championship with as manager.
0: Yeah, I think they want to yeah. see how he does, doesn't they? Because I mean, we're only nine games in now, and it's going to be a twenty-five game season, so we exactly. have got another sixteen. Yeah, they're matches. going to with
1: him to the end of the year and then, and then reset. Yeah, exactly. And then he's certainly going to have had enough games to, yeah. to give them so an idea.
2: I will also, I would also, I mean, I will also put an uh, a possibility on the table, which might sound very crazy considering his ties and stuff, but keep in mind, Gajardo has contract until December. He will probably leave no matter what. What if Gago replaced Gallardo at River?
0: <laughs> How does that sound? I
1: think Is that too crazy? Your fancy, yeah.
0: Um, I, I, yeah, it would be surprising, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, it would be. It definitely would be. But I think, uh, I mean, what's... What's the other choice? You know, Heinze.
1: Heinze, Crespo. Well, Crespo is still at Sao Paulo. There are are a few people. I think River. I think Boca have got a more difficult choice than than River at the moment. Should Gacharo
2: leave? And should Pataglia leave as well?
0: Indeed.
1: Although I think we've completely. deviated from from the original question here oh there's a second part of the question as well. yes there is a second
0: part of the question which i've been waiting to read out yeah liam's uh which second has completely
1: is. on a tangent talking about his manager <laughs> yes
0: yeah, so apologies for not actually answering your question liam but uh, time is we did at the start and then we just down, so.
1: gave him a bit of extra
0: uh, Liam's second question is will we see fans back in the league soon given the Monumental will be at 30% for the Bolivia match maybe in time for the Super Classico. we've had full uh, we've had uh, it obviously means in England uh, full stadiums for a month it's been great going to games again um,
1: yeah, still basically. watch this
0: space at the moment I, I think they're planning to try to get them back in before the end of the year aren't they
1: it's going to be more more uh, sooner than that I believe uh, this is basically a pilot scheme to see uh how I guess all of the um, different protocols and and security measures uh, get on, and I've heard end of September, start of October. There's definitely going to be fans, some fans in some stadiums. Okay, so you can hold me to that if I'm if I proved wrong. Oh sorry, crap. Uh, the authorities yeah. do seem
0: desperate to. Open up as as much as possible, without considering too carefully whether it's a good idea or not. But um, yeah, we shall see. Uh, Bob Roberts says here in the US, most teams can cover can cover player payroll through very lucrative TV contracts. How much do the top division Argentine teams see in television money? Not right. Very much. I mean, if um, you
2: ask Christian uh, Malaspina, who tweeted about that. uh, I think by the time uh, River were sent home in the Libertadores, very very little, and that's why there's yeah, uh, what, they, what they do receive risks. is
0: what they do receive is in Argentine pesos, isn't it? Or it, at least it's always reported in Argentine pesos, which makes it even harder yeah. to work out what it actually is on an international, you know, level. Comparing it with other teams in the rest of the continent, for instance.
1: Yeah, to explain, you know, to expand on that a little bit because Bob might not be uh, entirely. Uh, aware of the situation Um, Argentina you know for many many years has has been running on very high inflation and uh, kind of a constant devaluation of the currency so you know these things do generally get indexed when they're when you're talking about contracts but but not always so if you for example signed a contract in 2017 which guaranteed uh, every club. It's not the case because it's kind of scaled. I think Boca and River get a bit more than there you are know, about five or six clubs like Independiente, Vélez, Racing, San Lorenzo, which get a little bit more as well, and and so on, so on. Uh, but just say if you know the average was 100 million pesos in in 2017. Uh, since that date, you've probably had 300% inflation. Uh, 500% devaluation, just to pull a number completely off the top of my head. Uh, and probably that number isn't reflected in, in the amount of TV money you're getting because uh, it just hasn't kept up. Uh, so, what you probably see is a team, you know, which in the last four years have seen their TV income in real terms, if not nominal terms, go down sharply. And that Explains a lot of the problems that uh, that Argentine clubs, every Argentine club, is having right now because Argentina is in an acute economic crisis uh, related to these two issues of devaluation and inflation. Uh, on top of that, the pandemic, which has been hideous, like in most countries, but given Argentina's existing problems, I think it's hit very hard here as well. And, and that means uh, basically TV money whatever is coming in just isn't enough um and that's why it's it's been really a very very tough maybe two years three or four years i think um for for argentine clubs ever since the pesa really started falling off a cliff in 2018 from there it's uh it's been very rough waters
0: uh bob sent his question in just a few minutes ago um and uh I had a quick Google because one of you two was was answering one of Liam's questions and even just finding more or less up-to-date information with actual numbers on the screen about how much the clubs are getting is quite difficult and it needs to be more or less up-to-date, you know, in the last few months or so to really mean anything because of the inflation that Dan's just mentioned. You know, if you see something from even January this year saying, Oh, this club received X amount of pesos um, for television rights in a recent payment, that amount is now completely meaningless because since January this year, you know we've had like 28% inflation or something already, uh, and the clubs are all operating in a obviously a different you know they, they've got the competition from international sides as well uh, for players' contracts and and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very tricky one, but essentially, really not very much, Bob, um, and it's one reason that uh, I think that the AFA want to try to sell the top flight and, and to turn it into a meaningful thing so they can start selling it abroad because in the Argentine market, there just there isn't a hell of a lot of money to go around. And it's another reason, in my opinion, that the AFA needs to work to get the size of the top flight down to, so it's got fewer clubs in it and then to work towards wh- whether it's you know a, a European-style league, which we've been calling for on this podcast for the last decade and a bit, um or whether it's just a few seasons of the same format, whatever that format might be, without fannying around and changing the structure all the time, because that's what will make for a more watchable competition in the medium to long term, and what will make it easier to sell. Uh, And I suspect what will make certain teams a bit more likely to perhaps take it seriously. Um, If the AF aren't taking the competition seriously, then why would the clubs? That's another tangent we've gone off on. But hopefully but I think it was more it was relevant water. to the,
1: it was a bit more relevant to the question.
0: Indeed. Um I will now put a little bit of theme music on and we will go for Mystic Sam's predictions for the league weekend to come and then we'll have a couple of very quick predictions um for the World Cup qualifiers as well. okay so the fixtures for round 10 of the liga profesional de football which kicks off on friday evening defensa y justicia versus central cordoba i think it's going to be a defensa y justicia win i think aldo sibi will get an away win over huracan on saturday i'm going for atletico tucuman to beat arsenal lanús to beat sarmiento Uh, Colón versus Newell's I think is going to be a Colón win Platense versus San Lorenzo I'll go for a draw and I think that Boca will get a narrow win over Rosario Central in Rosario on Sunday Godoy Cruz host Gymnasia and I think that one's going to be a Gymnasia victory Um, do I? Oh, they're much closer in the table than I thought, actually. I'll, I'll stick with what I've already said. Uh, it probably won't be, but anyway. Patronato are at home to Tacheres, league leaders Tacheres. And I think that Tacheres will win. I've just realised, by the way, that we didn't actually mention where Lanús are in the table earlier. They are second. We mentioned they were doing well, but they are second and they're level on points with Tacheres. So only second on goal difference. Anyway, I think that Tasheris will get in a way win over Patronato. Uh, I think that Racing will beat Banfield. And I think that Riber will beat Independiente. Both Racing and River are the home sides in those two matches. And on Sunday, uh, Monday, sorry, Estudiantes versus Argentinos, I think, will be a draw. And I think that Vélez, who we didn't mention earlier, but who have picked up a little bit in, in their recent matches, and uh, look quite good at times. I think that they will get a home win over Union, in spite of the fact that Union are a bit further up the table. Any major disagreements with any of those gents?
1: It's going to be a tough one for Racing. I mean, they're going to be, right. be without Arias, who's been so important. Without Mena, the two Chileans. Um, what a great day of football and Sunday! Eh? Got Argentina, Brazil, yeah. the River, the Beniente, and then that, you know, sh- horrible match in the middle. But, and don't forget yeah. England andorra to start it all off. Oof, massive.
0: We'll have to look at dodgy it. streams of that because it's not being televised in Argentina, but still. Oh, yeah.
2: I, I think it, it's on DirecTV.
0: I've che- Again, according to DirecTV's yeah, according website, to which it. I looked at earlier, it isn't. But, uh, really? I mean, yeah, they, they I, tend to... They, tend they, to, they uh, can be very bad at actually showing European the guys. So. Are
1: you really fussed about watching that, Sam, honestly? No, not massive. I, I I'd say I'm going to boycott it because of what they did to uh, South America, but I probably just can't be bothered to watch it.
0: I've been watching it for Idelfont Lima, if he plays, to be honest. Ah. (laughs) Possibly on the verge of becoming, I think, the second player ever to play international football in four different decades. Um, That's impressive. Indeed. Anyway, uh, some quick predictions now, just for the first round of matches, because if we behave well next week, we might manage to record before Brazil versus Argentina. Oh, no, we won't. Sorry, won't we? So, anyway, (laughs) we've only got a couple of minutes. So, gents... Uh, let's predict Argentina's matches uh, I'm going to go for Argentina to Beat Venezuela And I'm also going to go for them To beat Brazil And then I'll go for them to Well, we we'll probably will probably well record before Bolivia But just in case we don't, I'll go for them to beat Bolivia So I'm going for nine points from those three matches
1: Dan? They are going to draw against Bolivia Beat Brazil and beat Bolivia
0: Now which of the two Bolivias Was supposed to be Venezuela there? The first one Okay, jolly good. Uh, and Santi, what are your predictions?
2: For well, the qualifiers, um, I think would have picked up a really decent form.
0: Uh,
2: oh, but just the Argentina I've... qualifiers. We haven't got
0: to, I'd, I'd ask you to do all of them, but we don't have time. We've got a minute. Well, now okay, okay, okay. Off.
2: So I'll, I'll just say I think it's a great, great chance for Argentina to just uh, grab nine out of nine points because um, they have a clear advantage above everyone else which is they have their full squad with them
0: there we go then we're feeling bullish about Argentina's chances on that note we shall say goodbye we're now going to record a a quick extra with a little bit more detail on the league if we can think of any of it Um, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from English Dan. goodbye from Santi see you around and from me thank you and goodbye